Hi, I'm Natalie Wires, along with Jason Nias from Digital River, an e-commerce company dedicated to helping brands go global and grow revenue. But this isn't about us. This is Commerce Connect, a podcast about people who are creating some of the best e-commerce experiences of our times. Listen on to hear from e-commerce visionaries as they look back on where they started, lessons they've learned that have gotten them to where they are today, and what they believe is the future of online shopping. Hi, this is Natalie. Our guest today is a disruptor in an industry that is used to doing business on sales calls and a handshake. During her time at Bucyrus and Caterpillar, both equipment manufacturers in the mining industry, Chris Harrington saw a need to find a better way for B2B manufacturing brands to do business. This led to the founding of GenAlpha, a company that focuses on helping equipment manufacturers sell online. It's a complicated business that Chris knows well. She lives on a small farm in Eastern Wisconsin, where some of those parts are likely to come in very handy. Welcome to Gen Alpha's president and CEO, as well as one of its founders, Chris Harrington. Hi, Natalie. Thanks for having me. We're thrilled to have you. Uh, so on this podcast, we often like to start at the beginning. Beginning, Tell us about Gen Alpha and your path there. Yeah, I think um, the easiest way to describe Gen Alpha is that we equip manufacturers, distributors, and dealers with the tools, information, and services they need to sell online. Our customers are manufacturers who sell and service industrial equipment. They, uh, the end users of our solution work hard to keep their equipment running. And I'm very familiar with this, given my background working in manufacturing for very large uh, equipment companies in the mining industry. As you mentioned in the intro, I spent many years with Bucyrus and then Caterpillar after an acquisition where I learned firsthand um, the importance production means to end users. If a machine is down in a mining environment, it can cost a mine operator millions of dollars a day. So good maintenance and planning and the right parts identification tools are really important. As we worked to ease the process of ordering parts from us, meaning uh, Bucyrus, we identified e-commerce as a critical element in our strategy. And there were a number of interesting technologies being made available at the time. Um, after the acquisition by Caterpillar, our strategy was tabled as Caterpillar already had something in the works. So during this time, uh, a number of coworkers, uh, my coworkers, and I thought we had created something special at Bucyrus and we thought other manufacturers could benefit from what we had to offer. So we went ahead and we uh, really started and founded Gen Alpha, and that takes us to where we are today. Well, I imagine that there have been times, or there was a time when um, thinking about you know building you know direct e-commerce solutions for manufacturers was pretty uh, out there. Um, how did you come up with this idea? What were the pain points that you were seeing that you were trying to solve? Yeah, I would say, you know, so in our time, if we look at historically the way that large industrial equipment manufacturers supported their products, typically when a new product came off the factory floor, what went with that product was a paper manual, okay? And that paper manual, I mean, in our world, 
uh, a piece of equipment would have like large, three large books that was one, you know, those three books together was one equipment manual. And over the lifetime and all the maintenance and repairs that would go into that, you would reference this paper manual, okay? But the challenge with that for large manufacturing companies is that the moment that the, the piece of equipment leaves the factory, part numbers are changing, there's obsolescence, there's supersession, um, upgrades are happening to that equipment. So getting the information into the hands of the customer where those parts are changing has been very challenging. And there really wasn't a, a way without technology in the past where you could do that easily. So, you know, you think about supporting from that side. And then, you know, many of the things that we went through with Bucyrus is that we were, we were also acquiring many companies, right? So when you acquire an organization and now you have to support and service those products as well. And, you know, we were acquiring organizations that were, uh, had locations in different countries. They had locations out, you know, throughout the U.S. that were different than our locations. And they also had different ERP systems. So now you have service centers and call centers in various locations. You have multiple ERP systems. Um, training your customers to do business with you and making it easy for them was a big challenge. So um, part of the problem problems that we wanted to solve for was was easing that that process. You know, I am an equipment owner. I have this piece of equipment. Where do I go to get all my information? And how do you make that easy? That that was really the the problems we were we were set out to solve. That's fascinating. So you have an interesting, you know, set of customers. They aren't selling, you know, a consumer electronics or fashion or software. They're buying equipment parts. So yeah. how does that change how they might approach e-commerce? Yeah, I think the number one thing that's different is that when customers come to our product, they're typically not browsing they have a problem, right? That piece of equipment is either out of service and they have to get it back to work or it, there's some maintenance interval that's coming up so they need to get the right parts uh, for the upcoming maintenance. And usually that's a scheduled time period because they're gonna take the unit out of production. Um, they need all of the parts to arrive at the, the right time. They have to have the technician available to do the job. So it happens very quickly. It has to be timed properly so that they can put that unit back up into production. So from that perspective, they don't need any commerce site necessarily that allows them to browse for lots of things. They need an e-commerce site that allows them to put in the very specific information related to the equipment they own. Usually that's a serial number, it's a, a VIN number, it can be a model in a year. Um, and, and they need confirmation from you that they're buying the right thing. So that's the first thing they're looking for. They don't wanna make a mistake. They need to know that they're getting the right thing. And then all of the other pieces of, you know, when can I get it? What's my price? You know, entering my shipping information, uh, paying with a credit card, all the other aspects of an e-commerce site become secondary. But you got to get that confirmation first that they're ordering uh, the right component. And that's what we help with. That's really our differentiator in the marketplace is taking bills of materials, 
um, and, and 2D and 3D drawings and making it available to the user so that they quickly can be confident they're getting the right thing. It makes me think about, you know, I'm not buying manufacturing equipment, but I was um, recently buying a filter replacement for my vacuum. Yep. And it was that same thing where I just, I knew exactly what I needed. Um, and I, in terms of like, I knew the, like, and it actually was kind of difficult because I, I knew the model of my vacuum cleaner and I, you know, knew sort of conceptually what the filter looked like, but it was hard for me to tell what, like, was this the right size? Was this the, actually going to fit? And so I could see how that type of, of a buying experience just requires a different type of, of um, tools and, and a different sort of online experience. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you described that example because I've, um, you know, I've told friends what we do and everybody has a, an example like that. You have the vacuum, somebody will mention their dryer. And I think a lot of manufacturing companies still today don't realize that they have a lot of this good data in their, in their engineering uh, department, right? But, and they can refer furbish and repurpose this to use digitally to help users like yourself make sure that you, yep, you've identified your right vacuum and show you in that vacuum where that filter is and give you a picture of it. So your, your confirmation, so you see the model, you see the picture, you're like, that's what I need. And that's the confirmation people are looking for. Exactly. You know, rather than going to the Home Depot and carrying your filter with you and going to somebody and saying, I'm looking for this part. Can you help me? You know, people want to do that online today. That's exactly right. And I imagine also then that leads to some rather quick sales, right? Like people aren't going to like leave it sitting in their car to like they would if they're debating whether they need another, you know, pair of sweatpants. Um, you know, they're they're looking for something and and they're going to convert relatively quickly if they can have that confidence. That's right. And, you know, most people do want to buy from the OEM. So uh, as long as the part's available, I will say once you give people confirmation, the part needs to be available. Because again, usually this is for a problem. So um, we find that the beautiful thing about having an e-commerce site is that you get analytics that help support this aspect of it, right? But if if the product is then available, then they're going to usually buy it and price becomes the next thing that they're looking at. But if it's not available, that's when they might take your information now that they've confirmed and they can start shopping online somewhere else because now they have confirmation. Now they might go looking somewhere else. So, you know, if it's a proprietary part for OEMs, typically there is nowhere else to go. But for that, those parts that are common in an industry, now they have what they need. If you didn't make it available, that could be the next uh, buying constraint. So how do you help your clients navigate that? You know, that gets to order management systems. It gets to fulfillment and how you're actually getting the product to the customer? What advice uh, do you give your clients around all that? Yeah, you know, um, I think the, the first bit of advice is to walk them through what we just talked about, how important 
and, and how quickly you have to first give them confirmation they have the right item. And we talk a lot about these things, confirmation, availability, price, and then an easy checkout process are really the main objectives for, for manufacturers. And then also having the systems in place as well that after they've bought it, give them access to download an invoice, to check um, the status of the order. Has it shipped? Has it partially shipped? If it's shipped, give them access to the tracking information. So you want all of the post-sale opportunities. But we do... Um, we do a lot of advising with manufacturers to, to get them to think about uh, transparency with pricing and availability. You know, historically, uh, companies had to phone a call center to get this type of information. So they'd first be saying, I have this unit, um, it's down. They might have to send a picture to confirm that, yep, we've identified the right part number for that. But then they're quickly asking for price and availability. So um, a lot of times we work with manufacturers to make sure that they're using their ERP systems in a way that can facilitate through the integration process, easy real-time access to price and availability. So Natalie, if, you're, if I'm the manufacturer and you're a customer of mine, you probably already have an account with me because most of these are B2B customers. Um, I've already got ship to information for you. I've got bill to information for you. Um, so when you log into my site and want to see the equipment that you own, you also want to see your price. So making sure that your price is established in the ERP system so that, because um, maybe you've learned some, you've earned some level of discount with me, right? So when you come to my website, you don't care about list price, you care about your price. So we talk about all of this uh, with manufacturers and most of them are safely using their ERP system to store this data. That's fascinating. That's, that's a nuance to the B2B buying experience that is not so much relevant to B2C. We spend so much time as we're like, you know, you hear the um, phrase all the time that B2B buyers are expecting a B2C buying experience. And I definitely think there's some truth to that, but you're pointing out a different point, which is that there are some nuances that are even are specific and, and even more critical to a B2B buyer. Are there other ones that you can think of off the top of your head? Yeah. Um, you know, if we go back to the, to the confirmation process, you know, once I've identified, like, let's say I I've identified that I need a, a Bendix break, right. A, a, a nice thing in the B2B space as well. And, and you see this when you shop with Amazon and other companies as well is the upsell or what other people uh, purchased, but in the, in a B2B space, again, I have specific equipment, so you can't just suggest to me what everybody else is buying, but if you do suggest to me a kit, a kit that's going to make the change of that bend, changing out that brake much easier. So if you're going to give me uh, the adapters, the springs, the hardware that go with changing that, that's one more confirmation that I found the right uh, brake, but now here's all the other parts I need to do 
to change when I do that change out. So that's another example in the B2B world. Um, I talked about, you know, having access to invoices uh, because oftentimes in a B2B setting, you'll have many different people that come back to a manufacturer for information. You've got the buyer who orders the parts and makes sure that they're being delivered. You've got finance team who needs to pay the bills. So sometimes they're asking for extra copy of the invoice. You have the shipping department who needs confirmation that, yep, it shipped and it should have arrived today, right? So um, having access to all of that information is a, is a lot different than me ordering a pair of shoes. And I just, I'm wondering when my shoes are going to arrive. I'm not often looking for invoices and other things, right? So yep. I think all of those are some of the examples in the B2B space that make it a little bit more unique. Yeah, Definitely. Um, that's a good transition into where I was hoping to kind of take us next, which is for these manufacturing companies who are maybe, you know, new to the idea of selling directly through an e-commerce channel, how should they think about, you know, setting up their organization? I read in one of your blog posts about just how important it is to have a strong e-commerce leader as well as make, you know, cross-functional support? How, how do, can a company who, you know, let's say there's that person who knows this should happen, but they need to build consensus and, and, and sell the idea? How do they do that? Hmm. Good question. I, I would say, you know, they're, uh, to, to sell the idea internally, certainly you have to look at where business is going. Um, and I think it's really important. I was talking to somebody the other day and we talked about how this is a transition period. You have um, customers who are entering the marketplace today, the workforce, excuse me, who are, you know, digital natives and they are ready to use technology at, at every moment. And um, we often describe them as the people who believe that anything they ever need to do can be found online, right? So, there are the, that group of people that will, will utilize e-commerce or online technology for everything. They believe there's an answer online for everything. And then there is um, the group, and it, it typically is the older generation, the baby boomers, the Gen X, which I happen to be a part of as well, you know, who are uh, still like the more traditional relationships. They've built those relationships over time and have confidence in those relationships. And because most often this is a B2B setting, they don't want to make mistakes. So they rely on those people to, to give them what they need. Um, but the reality is, our baby boomers are retiring and, you know, those that have that tribal knowledge, that's what we called it in our world is the tribal knowledge. They're leaving companies and the people coming up behind them don't have the same level of experience and knowledge. There, there's a gap. So it's important for manufacturing companies to realize they need to document the knowledge and experience that these people have while they still have them. Because that group that's coming up behind, they're, they're right behind and, and they're gonna be looking for information online. So we have to start thinking about that. We have to recognize that it's a transition. There isn't gonna be 100% adoption right away unless, unless a manufacturer sells to a dealer or distributor 
network where they can kind of tell them what to do. But when you're selling direct to customers, you have to adapt to the ways in which they're going to buy. So um, we need to, to get to start thinking about that. And then as a manufacturer, as you start thinking about bringing your own e-commerce uh, site to life, you have to put yourself in your customer's shoes. Who, what are those different buyer personas? Who are those people? What are they, what, how are they going to be shopping? What are their responsibilities? How can you make their job easier? So defining what they're going to do on your site, and we kind of talked about them a little bit ago, particularly in the market we serve, um, is really important. And then once you've identified who you're building your solution for, or opening your store up for, and you, you've identified those personas, then you have to find the right partners that are going to deliver a solution that meets those needs. And having a great uh, a leader, um, preferably one who has e-commerce experience, it can be really important. It can help save you uh, from making mistakes because they've been through it before. I also think having a great team around that leader is really, really important. And that team is responsible, not just for the launch uh, and the, the successful use of functionality or, you know, functionality that's needed for all those different buyer personas, but they're also responsible for the adoption by both internal and external users after the, the launch. It's so important to align an organization. When you're going to roll out an e-commerce store, Everybody has to be behind it, your sales team, uh, your internal customer service team, because if you're going to um, even inform customers that you have this new, easier way of doing business with you, if everybody's not adopted it and feel comfortable with it, they won't talk about it. So um, that's the way you get started. And again, there's this transition period. Some customers are going to go do it right away. And I also encourage manufacturers to go talk to their purchasing departments because their buyers in their own organization, they're using online tools and they can tell you what, which ones they like, why they like them, who does it best. You know, Granger, McMaster card, they haven't become as successful as they are without buyers in, in business relationships going online and, and purchasing those things. So the tools are being utilized. It's just identifying exactly what you need for your customers. That's a great tip. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed that channel conflict is still a thing, but it is a very real worry for a lot of companies who are considering opening a direct channel. How much are your clients and your prospect prospective clients when you're talking to them, bringing it up and what, what's the advice that you give them? Yeah, I would say there's still a significant number of large manufacturers today who have distribution networks that haven't done anything with e-commerce to date because they're worried about that conversation. So there's still a number of them out there. Um, my advice is always first to remind people that Customers are buying online. So you have to figure it out between your distribution channel and you as the manufacturer, how you're going to meet that need. So you have to come together. And I do 
think it's the manufacturer's responsibility to lead the strategy because imagine if you have distributors all over domestically and they're doing their own thing. How will they compete against each other? What, how do you manage that in an e-commerce digital environment? It's very hard to have a territory online, right? So as, as the manufacturer, I encourage them to think about the value each brings in, in the sales channel. So that distributor historically has helped sell the new piece of equipment because they're the ones that are, you know, have it on hand. And when they want to touch it, feel it, ride it, try it, that they're going to the dealer to do that. So that's an important piece. They're also going to the dealer when they need service support. So when it breaks and they don't have the resources to fix it, they're going back to that dealer to fix it. So those are some really important um, uh, things regarding. So the manufacturer is the, the one who's innovative. They, they keep designing it. They're trying to get um, to deliver better functionality to, to allow that piece of equipment to produce more and, 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 increase the life cycle of components and the machinery itself. But in the middle, particularly again in our space, that parts piece becomes really interesting. Who is responsible for that? And that's where you need to think about, again, between a customer and distribution network, who can deliver the better experience to the end user for those that want to do their own repairs or have their own technicians right? So should they go to the manufacturer's site to find the right part number, but then have to take that part number back to their distributor? Um, maybe, but will they go to your distributor once they know that they have the right part? And will your distributor always come back to you, the manufacturer? So, or should you allow a direct user to buy from you as the manufacturer? You make it easy. You control your branding, you, you provide that. And then if they've purchased your equipment from a dealer, you credit back that dealer for a portion of the sale, but now you've managed it. And, you know, there's ways today where you can put all of the locations of your, your dealers and their uh, physical warehouse infrastructure into an e-commerce environment so that it can show, you know, I have 18 pieces in Milwaukee and I have 40 pieces in Madison, Wisconsin. And, you know, so you can still uh, consolidate some of that availability information that's really important. So kind of a long answer to your question, but it, it's such an important one and, and it's yeah. still relevant today for sure. Yeah, yeah it, is, it definitely is still relevant. And another thing that, uh, you know, an under, often underestimated benefit of a digital sales channel that I know you're particularly passionate about is the data that you get from it. Yeah. Um, how, what, can you talk about that a bit and how manufacturers should think about using that to their benefit? Sure. Um, yeah, I love talking about analytics. I didn't mention this, but I started in manufacturing as a financial analyst. So I always believed getting data out of the ERP system to help me make business decisions was really important as I uh, grew in the organization and became responsible for sales and different aspects. And, um, you know, what's interesting is that there's so much more data you get when you open up an e-commerce site than the 
only sales data you get when you use an ERP system. So again, traditionally, um, owners of equipment are calling the call center. They're asking for the right uh, product. They're asking for price and availability. They either order it over the phone or they say, I'm going to get back to you, right? So they they ask for a quote, they get information. The call center uh, representative hangs up the phone and takes the next call or the next email. And this is happening all day long. They're just fulfilling these requests for parts, parts information. But what gets recorded most often is just the transaction, the sold items. What's beautiful in an e-commerce site is that you get to have all the data related to everything that was ever searched, right? So anything that they're searching for, which can tell you a lot about your equipment, it can tell you a lot about your customers, and it can tell you a lot about the parts themselves and their uh, basic need and how often they're, they're being looked at. So um, when somebody searches for something, did they purchase it? And uh, you know, if they didn't purchase it, did they not purchase it because there was no availability? So you know, if, if over a 30 day period, a part gets searched a hundred times, but it's only available 25 of those 100 times, and those 25 times everybody purchased, well, maybe it's time to put some more of that uh, part or whatever product it is on hand. Now, if out of 100 searches, there was always availability and a low percentage is, is actually ordering, then maybe you have a problem with price. So historically, manufacturers didn't get this level of detail, particularly in the case where a distributor is getting all that information, but the manufacturer is not even seeing the search, the buy, the no buy, um, what's abandoned in the cart. You know, and as a manufacturer, when you start to get access to all this data, you now get to look at it and say, well, okay, what happened? Let's go look at that data. Did we give them enough information? Did we give them uh, confirmation that it was the right item for them? Maybe uh, that's a place where you need to insert a, a video that actually shows uh, the part being assembled into a unit so that they really see, yeah, that's the thing I'm looking for. You know, there, there's so much information you get from analytics. You get real dash real-time dashboard reports that um, help you understand, is your business transitioning away from the call center into the online store? And which type of customers are doing that and, and which are not so that your sales team can be armed with strategies to go out and start converting more people online. We also find that average order values increase when people start using a commerce site because they are seeing all of the components that they need for a job when historically that call center rep, he's, he or she are just taking the calls, answering the questions, and they don't have time to say, hey, do you need that this kit that goes with that? Oftentimes, they don't even know the kit. They've never really even seen the piece of equipment. So they're not armed with that intelligence. Now, maybe that tribal knowledge person would know to do that. But most of uh, a typical call center rep just wouldn't have those details. So the ability to increase average order value is, is a big um, added value as well. That's very powerful. Uh, so, so Chris, one of our favorite parts of the podcast is learning more about our guests by asking them about their, who influences them. So who, who 
can you point to in your life, either personally or professionally, who has influenced you? Yeah. Um, I, I would definitely say that my number one influencers in my life were my grandmothers. They were, uh, both of them did not have much, but for everything that they did have, they worked very hard for, um, and they loved their family fiercely. So they were big influences in my life. And they really taught me to just be my best. And I find that I'm often influenced by people who I think are doing their best and it's taking them to some uh, position uh, in their own career. I can think of, you know, uh, recently I was influenced by Aaron Rodgers and the way he quarterbacked our Green Bay Packers this last season. So I I just love Aaron. I love watching Aaron Rodgers. I was recently influenced by the U.S. Women uh, National Soccer Team. I don't know if you're a soccer fan, but, you know, four World Cups, uh, they continue to perform under enormous pressure, and they're just a united team of, of women that just keeps winning, and, and that's really uh, influential to me. Um, Kamala Harris, the first uh, female, first African-American, first Asian-American vice president of the United States. I mean, that's pretty uh, uh, influential. So, and even um, Amanda Gorman, who wrote the inaugural poem, just very special. I think if we, you know, I, I, again, I like to be my best. And uh, when I see people doing, being their best in the world, that, that always influences me. Yes. Those are great answers all around. Um, and what do you listen to any podcasts or, uh, have you read books recently that have been particularly impactful for you? Yeah. Um, I, I do listen to, I love listening to podcasts actually, but I find that since I haven't been traveling and my commute isn't what it used to be, I have to make time for podcasts these days. Do it while you're cleaning, doing laundry. That's a good one. Doing dishes or some cleaning in the house. Yes, I found that that too. Um, you know, if I have a short period of time, I love TED Talks daily. Uh, I'm a nerd uh, by nature. So I would say geek of the week, nerd of my herd to my, uh, my nieces and nephews. So anytime I get to learn anything, um, I'm, I'm always doing that. And the TED Talks daily, they're really short episodes, seven to 15 minutes long. So when you don't have a lot of time, they're perfect. And, and they cover all kinds of different topics. But I do find if I'm looking for something in my industry, um, you know, I, I typically listen to partner podcasts and, you know, the Cooler Ring Manufacturing Happy Hour, uh, your podcast is something new for me. And I, I just walk away from, you know, those interviews with guests, uh, typically with uh, something new on my mind that might be something I can take into our business uh, that I can can use with, with our employees, our team or our, our customers as well. So, yeah, love podcasts. And our, my last question is near and dear to both of us. Uh, you know, obviously I have to ask you, what is an e-commerce experience that you found particularly good uh, and why? Yeah, I will say that um, we are considering a kitchen remodel and um, Home Depot has a great e-commerce experience. You know, I, I think it, it's clean, it's crisp, it offers category selections to help you get to the products that you need right away. Um, I think that they, they quickly 
maneuvered after COVID to be able to help you order things and go pick them up at your local store so that you never had to go in. So the, the convenience that they thought of um, after COVID uh, is really beneficial. But when it comes to, uh, for me and my family, we've been exploring how to redo our kitchen. And it's, it's a really big exercise, right? And we don't want to get it wrong. So by going to their website, they offer all of these DIY suggestions. They give you examples of kitchens that have been done. So I find that I can't just look at flooring and I look at cabinets and I look at a countertop and I can bring it together for myself. No, I need to see a picture of all of it together because I don't want to make a mistake in ordering. So they've done a really good job um, uh, handling all the different buying experiences when it comes to that. If it's just a small item that you need or you're thinking about a big project, I, I'm impressed with the way they've, they've used things. And I've heard that from other people as well. Um, I would say too that I love Sorel uh, shoes and boots and they have a very clean site, uh, particularly as you're looking at items um, the, the images are very clear, the options for the, the different shoe types, the colors, the sizes, you can tell very clearly what's in stock, what's out of stock. And what I love about them is they're not putting pop-ups in front of me all the time, asking me if I want to join something, if I will, you know, I find on some websites today that pop-ups can be very annoying when you just want to look for something. And I think they're doing a really good job that way. So those are some more yeah. on the B2C side, but. Uh, I have bought from Sorel. I will say talking about ordering different pieces and parts, I my boot laces uh, broke. So I need to order a replacement and I can't find them on the Sorel site. Oh, really? So, oh. Yes. So if anyone out there listening knows where I should get <laughs> replacement boot laces all <laughs> boots I would take that recommendation yeah. um, Chris if people want to connect with you or follow you where can they do that well they can certainly uh, go to genalpha.com for anything related to gen alpha um, for me I'm available on LinkedIn at Christina Harrington so Christina's with the K anybody can find me there I would welcome an opportunity to talk to anyone in your audience that would be wonderful it has been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Commerce Connect, brought to you by Digital River and edited at Matriarch Digital Media in Minneapolis, Minnesota. To learn more, head to digitalriver.com.